Welcome to the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network podcast. My name is Rachel Middleton, and we're happy you're here with us today. The reason for our time together is to hear and learn about topics vital to leadership, influence, and the kingdom of God. Are you ready? Let's get started. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Rick Shields, your host, and I'm happy to be joined today with my co-host, Mike Atkinson. Together, we direct the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network. Thank you for investing your time with us on this episode. We're especially happy to have Stephen Kurt joining us today. Stephen was born and raised in a missionary family in Nairobi, Kenya. While in the USA during missionary furloughs, Stephen lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where he went on to receive his undergraduate degree at Oral Roberts University, and is currently working on his doctorate through Global University. Stephen has traveled to over 30 nations and has lived as a missionary in four countries while ministering and teaching in several more. He's authored eight books, and in good Kenyan fashion, he loves to run. Stephen and his wife Bailey are the founders of Involved International. If you would, Stephen, please take a minute and tell us about Involved International. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity to uh, be here today. Involved International is our missions organization that we launched primarily to help facilitate church planting uh, across East Africa. Having grown up there, I had the firsthand experience of discovering that many churches in Africa initially would start off well with some kind of an evangelistic push or endeavor. And then as the time passed, as years went on, oftentimes there wasn't as much ongoing, vibrant discipleship taking place. And so we decided to partner with uh, several of the uh, national churches across East Africa to develop a church planting model that would hopefully produce healthy church planters whose primary goal is to plant healthy churches. Okay, so you emphasize healthy church planting by raising up healthy church planters. How do you raise up healthy church planters? Uh, Let me kind of set some context. I served in the country of Burundi. And this was 2006, 2007. We were able to plant primarily, I'm going to say about 20 churches. I was on the ground for about two years. And then through a series of events beyond my control, we had to leave the country. And I didn't go back to Burundi for almost another eight years. And in returning to Burundi, I had hoped that all of these churches would be thriving and dynamic. Instead, what we found was probably less than 50% of them had even grown, let alone any kind of uh, dynamic expression of Christianity. And so what we did is we sat down with the leadership of the National Church there in Burundi, and we said, look, we love what's happening in about 50% of these churches that they are growing. There's about 10% of them that are exploding, and then the other 50% are stagnating, and in some cases, the churches have been closed. And so we began to pray and seek the Lord. And basically what came from that was this idea that there really needs to be some kind of specific training geared directly towards church planters. In other words, going to a traditional Bible school, while it may prepare someone for ministry competencies, it doesn't necessarily prepare someone for the rigors and the challenges of actually planting a church. And so we began to dialogue, discuss, and from that, we decided, let's look at the possibility of starting a church planting school whose primary function is to prepare church planters. 
So we did that about five years ago, maybe it's six years ago now. And the underlying idea was everything that goes into this approach is going to help prepare a church planter, obviously, to plant a church. And over the years, we've tried to tweak some of the applications and some of the training modules that the students get in order to help them pursue spiritual health, to help them pursue emotional health, to help them pursue an understanding of what it means to work in close proximity with other churches and other church planters, hopefully, you know, reducing division. So those are some of the uh, talking points that led us to where we are today. So that's at a 30,000 foot level. Can you bring us down to 15,000, 10,000 feet? What are some of the things that you're teaching? What are some of these competencies that you're attempting to invest into these church planters that make it possible for their plant to be successful? Obviously, you know, one of the primary things that we're trying to do is we try to teach leadership and what does leadership look like from a biblical model. In order to answer that question, we've really tried to emphasize the idea of followership. So there's a lot of materials out there written and developed on what it looks like to be a dynamic leader or a leader in the 21st century. And it really focuses on what the individual can do to improve themselves, to improve their you know, ministry impact. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. I think we need to aim for that. But from from what, at least from our vantage point, it would seem that is a secondary step that omits the primary step. And the primary step is followership. And by followership, I'm referring to this idea of discipleship. So Jesus says, if you're going to come after me, you have to take up your cross and you have to follow me. And so the idea here is that Jesus is always moving somewhere. He he's not stagnant. He's not a you know he's not a statue. He's not a monument. He's a part of this global movement that we would call Christianity and the kingdom. And so we really try to emphasize the idea of obedience. Um, obedience trumps information ten times out of ten, right? And so we we try to focus on what is Jesus speaking to you? What is his calling on your life? And then how are you going to practically live this out? in ways that other people can hold you accountable. Now, there's a lot more that I could talk about in terms of specific courses that we offer that would be comparable to a traditional Bible school. But the underlying idea for any course, any seminar that we do is what is Jesus speaking and how are you taking steps to walk this out? This is followership. And what we've discovered is when people are following Christ and responding to his voice, their leadership level rises to the challenge of whatever context they find themselves in. So Stephen, when you're when you're dealing with these church planners, these young church planners, are there any specific traits or characteristics that you've observed that kind of lead towards success? Are there anything that you're looking for in them that kind of speaks to you about their leadership capabilities? There are for sure. Being a church planter is different than being an evangelist or being the pastor of a lead church or even an associate pastor or Bible school teacher. So really church planting has a lot more similarities with entrepreneurial endeavors. So someone who is very gifted in launching businesses, those kind of traits and characteristics would be similar to what you're looking for in a successful church planter. So we ask questions. We actually have an entire evaluation session with the church planters once they complete church planting school. And we try to walk them through some of these traits and characteristics to help them 
discern if they really have them and then to help the national church process would this person be a good fit so when was the last time you started something from scratch when was the last time you had a conversation with someone who is not from your faith perspective when was the last time you successfully led a group of people to do something when was the last time that you hung out in somebody's house who it has no Christian background whatsoever. There's about 13 questions that we ask. That's just a sampling of them. But the idea is you're looking for a very specific traits and characteristics. Are there any times that there are those who have come and wanted to apply, be a part of the boot camp or the, the training sessions, and you've had to say, no, you don't fit? We, we've never turned anybody away. But where, where our organization uh, really picks up uh, momentum is on the final implementation stage. So once someone has gone through church planting school, once they've gone through the evaluation and there's a couple seminars that kind of prepare them for the nuts and bolts of it. And then there's actually an internship uh, as well, where they need to go and start demonstrating some of these things within a local healthy church that's already been established. Uh, What we have done prior to our organization releasing funds to support a new launch is we'll say, you know what? Not yet. You're not ready yet. Um, And usually through the process, they begin to have some kind of uh, self enough self-awareness that they go, yeah, church planting is probably not my thing. And so there's been a couple who have gone on to take on uh, existing churches and they're doing really well. There's been uh, some others who are more focused now on the Bible school teaching route. Um, There's been a couple who are almost exclusively evangelistic now, and they actually serve to help other church planters launch their churches, and then they move down the road and repeat the process. So yes is the answer, but we don't, I mean, any, I believe any kind of leadership resourcing, any kind of discipleship focus is always beneficial, regardless of what context you're in. So you're never trying to turn anybody away from taking a step towards growing in their walk with Christ but you are trying to help them discern the giftings, the talents, and primarily the calling that's on their life. So what's been the biggest challenge as far as going through the training, going through the implementation, as far as kind of that next step? When they're launched and they're, they've started, what's kind of the next, the biggest leadership challenge that you guys face? I think right now I would, I would answer that by saying it's easy to formulate a process of leadership or development, i.e. in this case, church planting, raising up healthy church planters, that has a timetable to it or a chronological order of events to it. And so in our case, it's about a one-year to 18-month process from the beginning of church planting school to the internship, to the evaluation, to the seminars, to launching and that, you know, I think we, I think we're at the place where we've really streamlined it very well it's to the point that we have like a, I think it's a 97% success rate of planting churches, right? So that's pretty good. But where that's we, incredible. where we're failing or where there's the challenge to answer your question is we really didn't think through the back end of this thing. So this leadership discipleship thing is not a one season of your life kind of deal. It's not like, oh, you know, in my twenties, I really emphasize that, but in my thirties, I don't have to anymore. And so the correlation there for a church planter is once he planted the church, there was this initial excitement. We saw 50 to 150 people come to know Jesus because of the influence of the local church on the community. So, you know, we, we've planted a hundred of these things so far. I mean, it's it's been awesome. But then you move six months into the church planter, now transitioning from being a church planter, which he still is, but now he's an actual pastor, right, of a local congregation. 
And now there's a entirely unique set of challenges that are not necessarily the same as being a church planter. And so some of the guys have, and gals have stuck around for, you know, the first couple of years, they raise up somebody else and they go plant another church and repeat the process. And that seems to be, that seems to be working really well. But for those people that would say, you know, I feel more called to like be planted in this community as a long-term pastor. That's where we're having to revisit the conversation and begin to hopefully develop mentorship opportunities with existing pastors uh, to be able to offer these people, uh, these pastors, these church planters, ongoing discipleship and leadership and ministerial resourcing. Let me take a moment to remind our listeners Feedback is important to us. If you have a suggestion for a guest or a topic, please let me know. You can drop me an email at info at doorways.cc, and we'll try to incorporate that into our podcast schedule. Your feedback and input are helpful in providing us with direction for future podcasts. You're listening to the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network podcast. My name is Rick Shields, and I'm glad to have our co-host, Mike Atkinson, with us today. I'm thankful, Mike, that you're able to carve away some time to be with us. We're speaking today with Stephen Kurt, who founded the Ministry of Involved International in 2015 with his beautiful wife, Bailey. We should also note that Bailey has found a way to empower women in Africa with artisan designs through Kibbe Designs. And we're hopeful that we're going to be able to have a podcast that features Bailey here in the next few weeks. But meanwhile, could you take a moment, 30 seconds or so, Stephen, and tell us about that Kibbe Designs program? Yeah, Bailey is a remarkable person, particularly as it relates to the area of design and empowerment uh, with uh, groups of artisans, women artisans in East Africa. And so she comes alongside and helps these groups of artisans to tweak their product, to make it marketable to a Western audience. And if you've ever seen any of her uh, product, it is stunning. And she just has this creative genius to be able to look at something that is good and make it much better. And I think that's where she stands out. And then she's able to use the proceeds to help these artisans break the uh, shackles and cycles of poverty. And it's just been a really beautiful process to watch as God has uh, helped her to excel greatly in this uh, endeavor. Can't wait to have the opportunity to get to talk to her more about that. Stephen, just from knowing you, you're, I've always been impressed with your authenticity, your genuineness. You're one of the people on my list that are what I call considered godly, most godly people that I know. I just appreciate your heart for others. One of the questions I've had for you and, and been thinking about for our podcast was, you've been involved in leadership in other organizations. You've seen other organizations in so many different levels. In your mind, in your opinion, what you see common traits or values of certain organizations that allow them to succeed, either leaders or individuals or, or organizations, what about the successful ones that you noticed that maybe separate those? Yeah, that, that's a really insightful question. And, you know, I think we could probably do a whole <laughs> separate podcast yeah. on that, but maybe just to share just the initial couple of thoughts that come to me. I think the first one is compelling vision. And to what extent is the organization and the leadership within the organization able to articulate a compelling vision? But more than articulation, I think there has to come this stage of implementation, where even if you don't have it perfect, people who are watching and people who you're recruiting and people who you're mobilizing are able to look at what you're doing and say, wow, that that I want to be a part of that, right? So yeah, I think it's this yeah. Yeah, I think that, that that's key. 
I think the other, you know, critical factor for me with the organizations that I worked with um, was empowerment. And if you don't, if, if micromanaging and insecurity dominates, you know, your leadership style, you won't go anywhere. And I've worked in an organization where, you know, they would, they would speak nice things. And then when it came to the actual phase of implementation, it was someone's always watching over your shoulder. And the moment you deviate from how they envision it should be done, you are reined in and there is nothing more discouraging. And then I think the final thought is um, just this idea of authenticity and accountability. And when there are different levels of accountability and authenticity expected of different people in the organization, it doesn't end well. So if the leadership is saying one thing, but they don't demonstrate it, and there's no accountability for how they are walking out the stated vision or even character issues, you know, right. it, it, it will never work when you, and then by contrast, they're putting that pressure on the level underneath them. You have to do this and that and this, and we're holding you accountable. And the people at the bottom of the, you know, the bottom level are screaming because they're, they recognize the divergence that's happening and almost at sometimes maybe even hypocrisy that that's that, that, yeah. that's that's envisioned or modeled, and so those three things. I mean, if those three characteristics aren't in place, I just don't see how an organization can go forward. Yeah, I think I totally agree, and I think you know people are quick to pick up on a disconnect between someone's what they say and versus what they do, especially in the in the leadership role. And I mentioned before that you're one of the more genuine and authentic people that I know. Sometimes in our head, we think a leader behaves, acts in a certain way. And it's not really true to who they are. So in my mind, I think, oh, a leader is always an extrovert that's going to be a type A personality that's going to go out and do this. And so I'm going to try to act that way, even though that's not who I am. You seem to do a great job being able to be who you are and, and be effective. So what would you speak to someone that's kind of trying to fill a role or try to act and behave in a certain way that's really not true to who they are? How would you assess that? That is so good. And that's one of the primary challenges that I've I've wrestled with just with my personality. I, many times I've I've even <laughs> told myself I, I'm not a leader. I don't have the the natural charisma, the woo, whatever, you know, these big words that people throw around. I am your quintessential introvert. I am your academic. I am your, you know, analyzer. And yet God it keeps putting me in these positions where He asks me to lead and Honestly, a lot of um, my challenge uh, related to insecurity. And so I think my advice to anyone struggling with this kind of this kind of commitment of maybe perception of who you are is, you know, you, you have to overcome your insecurity. And it's sometimes it can be so entrenched in your psyche and your understanding of who you are that really it's an act of uh, God's spirit working in us. For me, like there has been so many times when the Lord just reminds me, I am your confidence. I am your confidence. And, you know, you are accepted in the beloved. So these are two passages, one's in Proverbs, one's in Ephesians. And just um, learning how to integrate those into my life and begin to lead from a place of understanding that, hey, I didn't choose my personality. I didn't, but this is who I am. And so I'm going to, with whatever, to whatever extent God wants to use me, it's available, but it is going to require his confidence. And so I lean on that all the time of like, Lord, you have to give me confidence in this moment. 
And when I say confidence, I just mean the confidence to believe that you are enough in Christ, the confidence to know that the gifts that he's put inside of you are sufficient for the challenge that you're facing, the confidence to believe that you've heard the voice of God, because sometimes you're like, eh, I don't know, I hope I did, right? And then the confidence, I think, to re- recognize that, hey, people are going to listen and people are going to resonate, even though you don't have the boisterous, you know, flamboyant, charismatic personality it's it, and just realizing that God God can use soft spoken, thoughtful people just as much as He can any other category of people. I hope you enjoyed our podcast, and I hope that you'll join us on future episodes. Please follow us or subscribe so you can be notified when new podcasts are released. Until next time, this is Rick Shields, and on behalf of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network, this is my prayer for you. May you have rest when you need it, strength when you want it enjoy when you least expect it. Until next time, may the Lord bless you as you follow after him. Thanks for listening.